Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In today's show, your hosts, Steve and Santosh, discuss retrospectives with a lot of tips to make retrospectives efficient and valuable. Hi, Steve. Long time. We haven't chatted. Hey, Santosh. So uh, I've been through some kind of coaching slash teaching slash mentoring sessions. And what I'm constantly being reminded is that people don't, or teams, don't put as much importance to retros. I mean, the retros uh, really are a stepchild in the entire agile process. And uh, you have some good ideas, good good experiences. Uh, so why don't we start from the end of the cycle and look at retro and why they are important? Yeah, it's interesting you say the end of the cycle. It's funny because the, there are really only four major commitments that you have to make in terms of um, ceremonies. And one of them is the retrospective. And as you say, it's a stepchild and people don't realize just how important it is. Yeah, because people don't even show up for retrospective. Absolutely. That's so true. But it really is important because how can you improve if you don't look back and try and fix the problems in your process or the way you work? So it's, of yeah. course, super important. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the point of view of how people look at retro. It's not a report card. It's learning card. And that where the nobody likes to read their own report card. And that's why people don't show up because it's like, uh, how did you do this time? Kind of uh, almost evaluation. And then that's what people think. I think that is the misconception. Right. And in fact, one way of... uh changing the culture is to have retrospectives not only for sprints but for other things that are done so the obvious one is at the end of a release in the old days we used to call them a post-mortem yeah now we call it a release retrospective but even after a long meeting let's say you have you do sprint planning and you spend you know two hours doing sprint planning it's good at the end to spend five minutes and just say what went well what could we have done better how can we improve sprint planning next time and if you keep reinforcing that message, not only at the end of a sprint, but in all these other cases, eventually people get it that it's just a way of doing a quick check. It doesn't have to be very lengthy, but it's a way of saying, okay, let's make it even better next time, whatever it is that we did. Yeah, I think uh, what I would, what I realized is that what went well sometimes gets misconstrued. And maybe the uh, the question should be, uh, what went well and why? I think that might give the right context of, uh, you know, because, yeah, I completed this. Well, that doesn't mean, <laughs> what What did you do differently that actually made it uh, successful? I think that's the learning aspect of it. So people don't uh, look at it that way. If we just change little, you know, I guess tweak, um, that may be more interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the other key to make people realize the value is to make sure that 
you actually make improvements. So, you know, one of the, the tips is, uh, first of all, during the retrospective itself, make sure that you come out with some actionable items and until the team is really adept at it, make it just one item so that it, you know, people can focus on it and then afterwards say, oh, yes, we decided to do that one thing and we accomplished it and we see a benefit. If you try and do 10 things, then probably none of them will get done. Yeah, and I know one of the things that I've asked some of my coaching uh, uh, instances is that uh, I ask them to create a story for the next sprint and say, this is what we are going to do. And onerous is the entire team. So that it doesn't just become a lip service so that the same thing gets repeated again. All throughout the life of the next cycle, it could be release, it could be sprint. Um, you need to pay attention what we are going to make a difference. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So make sure that you track it. So Correct. make it a realistic goal. Track it and follow up and discuss with the team. How did it go? Did we make the improvement? Do we see the benefit? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and then make any, any fine tuning in the uh, subsequent sprint. Right. And then the other thing that often happens is there's some debate regarding who should be in the the retrospective let's let's focus on sprint retrospective so there's always a concern if there's a a manager who's a, a people manager who wants to be there and you have to really tell them you can't be because you're not a active team member but on the other hand uh, the the scrum master and the product owner should definitely be there they are part of a scrum team so they have to be there, even though sometimes the criticism is of the product owner because either they didn't define things properly or they were not clear with the, the user stories or whatever it may be. But it's but, that's part of the learning anyway. Absolutely. And, yeah. So it's 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 basically a as you said, you know, it's a team ownership. It's team and a scrum master and PO. It it could be some of the things that Scrum Master did not do. But that is what it is actually needed to be highlighted, saying that, oh, Scrum, Mr. Scrum Master, you did this, and that really helped us a lot. So can we keep on doing this over and over? So, you know, it goes both ways. But uh, the team has to own own the whole, whole aspect of uh, retro and learning. Right, and also whoever's uh, facilitating the meeting, and it doesn't always have to be the Scrum Master, by the way, but whoever's facilitating the retrospective should make sure that everybody contributes. Exactly. Because it, it is all about the team. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think you, you had some good ideas about how to uh, make uh, everybody contribute because there are some uh, backbenchers and uh, shy people in the group kind of thing, so... I, I would love to hear some of the ideas that uh, you have tried. Right. So there's uh, one technique I really like, and it, it's great because it works even when you have a, a very large number of people. So, for example, if you're doing a release retrospective, you might have multiple teams. And I've literally had sessions with 60, 70 people and done a retrospective in one hour and come out with really good results. And the te this particular technique involves breaking the whole group into pairs so you get lots of pairs of two people and you ask them to, to have a discussion amongst themselves very briefly maybe a couple of minutes and come up with the three actionable things they would like to change and why 
And again, it's this idea of even with a very large group, you don't want to come out with a you know 10, 20 action items of things to improve because it's just not realistic. So you get people to focus on three, let's say, and then once um, you know you give them two, three minutes, and then you ask, um, okay, now pairs, please pair with another pair. So now you have groups of four people, and they they discuss the three items that they each had in each previous pair. And they come up with the new three items, the top three items for those four people. And then you double them up again into eight and 16 until everybody is in one large group. And yeah, at so that it's point, like a pyramid slowly coming together. Right. And yeah. that way, everybody has contributed. The best ideas are percolating up to the top. And All then right. when, when you get the... You know, the final discussion, it's really very few items that is really like a majority decision of things that need to be uh, rectified or we just agree we did really well and we should keep doing. Yeah, yeah makes sense. That That's a great idea. And that can be done even with the smaller teams. Like if you have, you know, 10 people, you can have five pairs and then quickly crystallize to the uh, changes you want to make very quickly. Right, definitely. The other tip I would give is um, th there's a famous book on how to run Agile Retrospectives, which is called Agile Retrospectives, Making Teams Great by Esther Darby and Diana Larson. And of course, I will put a link in the, the show notes. But uh, in that book, they essentially say that there are five phases to the retrospective. The first is to set the stage. The second is gather the data then generate insights, then decide what to do, and then close the retrospective. And what I found is, going back to your point where people don't attend because they say they're too busy or they don't see the value in the retrospective, one of my tips usually is collect your thoughts as the sprint is going on. There's no reason why that has to be part of uh, the overall retrospective. So as the let's say it's a two-week sprint as the two-week period goes on things happen people observe them they make a note and then they come ready to discuss them at the retrospective so that way you can save a few minutes and it's more interesting to the team because they already had some ideas of things they wanted to discuss and they're ready to do it yeah and that, and those ideas are closer to when they actually happen in the sense that you know the story might have gone well or something that happened really well they immediately talk about that or list it down there and then go back uh, at the end because uh, these kind of memories are very short lived and people don't remember uh, you know even just a week back yeah right and that's a good segue into <laughs> another technique uh, i was thinking of bringing up which is um one way of uh, running the sprint is to, uh, sorry, the retrospective is to um, draw on a whiteboard a, a straight line which represents each day of the sprint. And then you have team members write on post-it notes, of course, what went well and what didn't go well. And they put them along that line which represents the, the duration of the sprint. And the higher up they put the sticky above the line, it means the better that particular item went during the sprint. So, for example, we started collaborating in some new way, and it was really great. So you put a post-it 
high up above the line or if it was only a mild improvement you put it closer to the line and then you do a similar thing with what went badly during the sprint this is when you didn't collect these thoughts during the sprint but still it really helps to try and put things along the timeline because not every day during the sprint goes equally well or badly so perhaps it's the build system broke on the first wednesday of the sprint and everybody was blocked for a day so you now remember oh yes that's what happened on that wednesday and so you'll get a bunch of tickets around that area saying what what went well how people recovered what the problems were and so on yeah and i know one the thing that uh, about the the two steps that you said about setting the stage and gathering the data uh, what i recommend my teams is uh, open the retrospective with the burn down burn up chart and that tells you some of the things about how did the uh, sprint went did we deliver what we started with did we do it in a uh, nicely staggered way or was there like a big cliff at the end and did we finish uh, all the stories that we started with and then looking at the burn up chart and say are we keeping track or keeping up with what we are supposed to deliver at the overall goal how are we doing there so that generates some of the insights into you know some of the things could be like yeah the system went down or our automated testing is not working correctly or you know whatever those things are but yeah, that, that's that's like a heartbeat of the entire system absolutely that's a great tip so yeah the other thing as we uh, mentioned earlier that you know it's really important to make things actionable and uh, what happens sometimes with newly formed teams is that they will kind of use the retrospective as an opportunity to moan and bitch about <laughs> things and it's really important to uh, make things actionable so um that's one of the things to consider as well as we said earlier there's you know the phases usually are generate insights and decide what to do but another trick is to have people pre-think what they would suggest should be done as an improvement and why so that makes sure that really coming out of the you know when you get into the discussion part and make decisions about what to do it's much more um you know geared towards action rather than just moaning and bitching yeah i think one of the things that i also ask my teams is uh, when you say we should do better uh, or this could be done better i always ask them okay then what will you do to improve it so now it becomes you know the giving advice is much more easier uh, executing that advice is kind of it takes uh, ownership and doing next time you do 100 uh, uh, you know push ups that's the way we should do it how many are you going to do <laughs> so it's it's like make it uh, relatable make it own them so that if you say yeah we should do a better job of uh, asking questions okay well what kind of questions are you going to change so then it it becomes the ownership comes back to the team and individual saying i am not just this is what i am going to contribute that makes it more real and and relatable right absolutely um i also like uh, a point that you made uh, recently to me about um that eventually after making a lot of improvements the team really reaches like a plateau of what they can achieve on their own and they now need to go and get outside help 
funny you should mention that because uh, recently in a couple of cases that we had, uh, they realized that they have tried everything that they could, but unless and until, for example, the, uh, the, the test server that they had, unless that is the size and stuff like that, that gets improved, their testing is not going to improve the size, the testing time that is happening and all that, it's not going to improve. So it's not just that team's uh, control. They had to go to the management or architects or somebody else outside their team. And that's when the ownership actually turned to the scrum master saying, hey guys, can you raise this impediment to the next level? And in next sprint, how are we going to handle that? So they they feel they felt like yeah there is a way to escalate some of the uh, challenges they are seeing and there is a path to it. Now people started attending that because then they had a lot of things to contribute saying that this is stopping us, this is stopping us. Can we go to the next level? Also, it's totally unrelated to uh, what you just said, but. Another thing happened to me recently working with um, a group that's uh, launching a product and we're all used to, again, the, in the old days doing a post-mortem at the end of a project and the marketing team asked everybody to participate in a pre-mortem and the idea was to think about the launch of this product and then work backwards and basically say in order for us to have a you know, very positive retrospective, if you like, but to be successful, what are the things that could go wrong? And let's prevent them from happening rather mm -hmm. than wait till they happen. Uh, so I've never really thought about applying that with a uh, agile team, but that could be an interesting experiment. In case of uh, program increment planning, that's what we do. Identify the risks for getting this uh, plan executed, just like releasing the product. And roaming the risk that either they are uh, resolved, uh, owned, uh, accepted, or mitigated. So that way, everyone understands if something happens, this is what the resolution is or disposition of that risk is. But that's a great technique so that you can, you know what to look out, watch out for so that you are already prepared to uh, do some action or uh, respond to it. But that's a great idea. Great. Well, I think uh, we've covered this topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as we uh, finish the recording, we should do a retrospective to see how the the yeah. recording <laughs> process went. <laughs> but you know, definitely... but, uh, funny you should mention that because we do actually do a retrospective of retrospective. So yes. at the end of the retrospective, we actually ask the team saying, was this useful? Will you come back again next time? And what will it make more interesting? And did you really learn something or it was just blah? So it, it's actually, you know, having the retro of retro is a good thing. Definitely. All right. We, uh, we encourage everyone to uh, really pay attention to retrospectives. And uh, we'll be happy to uh, get feedback if, um, you know, through any of the, the channels where the po podcast is available, if people have... Uh, any feedback for us, retrospective on the podcast they listen to, we'll be very happy to get oh, yeah. that information. So, uh, can you please give them uh, where they can send us the feedback? I think you have a link, right? 
Yes, there is a link to a Google form. It happens to be on the Podbean website. Uh, the link should appear also in show notes in uh, other locations too. Uh, but it's uh, labeled podcast feedback form, and we would love to hear from our audience. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Santosh. Bye, Thank everyone. You okay, bye-bye.